Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Good morning. You know, this is the first time I've ever gotten to say President elect Biden and Vice President elect Harris. Said it right here on Money FM 89.3. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Steve, uh, it's been a long night for you. I know you've been up probably, probably most of the night watching what's going on. Uh, your initial thoughts as to uh, the victory and uh, and how this is playing out across America right now. Well, I'll tell you what was really surprising to me was watching. I watched Fox News uh, all night ever since when, when it was called for for President Elect Biden, and Fox News is fully supportive of that. They refer to him as President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris. It was all about how he had won, how the, the votes all came in, how the they called all of those states. And so I, I see that, you know, President Trump hasn't conceded. I don't know if he will ever concede. Under the law, he doesn't have to concede. Um, but it's set now, and, and we're clearly on a path to, to what will happen between now and an inauguration day when when uh Joe Biden's inaugurated as our next president. We had Don Pierce on in the last uh, hour, and and as he rightly brought up, the White House has said that they are committed to a peaceful transition once it has everything has been certified that uh, Joe Biden is in fact the next president. Now, of course, they are doing all their legal challenges. Rudy Giuliani has said he's going to put out more challenges next week. So, legal challenges often can take a very long time. So, any kind of conciliatory remarks from the White House would be predicated, I would suppose, on their legal challenges being fully adjudicated. That could take a while. Uh, I will. Yeah, well, I will say it's noted election lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, of course, <laughs> who's making these, making these cuts. Look, I mean, Hillary Clinton lost by fewer votes in Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin collectively uh, than, than Donald Trump will have done. Joe Biden won by more than Donald Trump did. You didn't see Hillary Clinton make all of these legal challenges. I mean, we have a process. It works. Uh, all of these claims that, that certain people are bringing up, Rudy Giuliani in particular, but Donald Trump as well, um, there's no basis for them. They've never shown that there was any systemic fraud uh, in any election that we've had. And so, look, I don't know what the, the you know, how much longer the Trump uh, campaign and the presidency is going to hold out on this, but it's time to move forward. And the campaign is now the Biden transition team and come inauguration day, he's going to practice. So the question is, what is Donald Trump going to do as president for the next two months? Um, what executive actions will he continue to take? And what is it that Joe Biden can do to prepare to become president so he can hit the ground running, you know, on January 20th? President-elect Biden. I have to slow down and say that because I got to make sure I say it the right way. But he had just said in his speech in Wilmington, Delaware, a a few minutes ago that come Monday, he is going to name an advisory panel of health experts to really drill down on COVID-19, figure out a humane and empathetic way of tackling COVID-19 in America. We've seen these last four days have been record-setting days once again in the U.S. for infections. Death rates are 1,000 a day again. Uh, is, is this part of the plan with the Biden administration just to push forward, don't wait for these challenges? Hey, as of, you know, as of today, they are, they are in and they are just going to start the transition as soon as possible. Well, look, any president, you almost get the, the most you can get done is in, in your first 100 days in a way because that is your 
honeymoon period. That's when you, you have everybody or as many people who are going to be behind you are typically behind you. And so you really want to hit the ground running. You want to do as much as you can. And this is even more important, more critical maybe now than ever before. We've never had a situation where you've got a pandemic that has not been addressed at the national level. There's still no national plan to deal with the pandemic. So now that he is president elect, you know, Joe Biden's going to be able to to marshal all the forces so he can do what needs to get done starting on day one. So yeah, it's a great sign that he's doing this, but he is not president till January 20th. Yeah. On the line with Steve Oaken, of course, senior advisor, McClarty Associates. Steve, uh, Joe Biden said in his speech that often repeated statements, he doesn't see red states, blue states. He sees the United States wants to rebuild America. He got the, probably the most applause when he said, you know, that the African-American community had not forgotten him. So he is not you know, going to forget them, et cetera. And when we think about the Black Lives Matter movement and some of the social injustice uh, things, these were very, very not only populist, but popular statements for him to make. But there are still 70 million Americans who did not vote for Joe Biden. Uh, how is all of this going to play with them? Well, there's a couple of things. First, when you become president, it doesn't matter if you won by one vote, if you won by four million vote, or if you lost by three million votes, like Donald Trump did, basically. You are the president. So you have that executive authority. The question is, how do you bring the country along with you? If you don't, you are not going to get a second term. Donald Trump failed to bring the country with him, and he governed as a you know, red state politician, which is why he lost. So Joe Biden is got, he ran as a Democrat. They, the, the majority of the country voted for a Democratic platform. But that said, he's got to work with the Republican Senate. He's got to, you know, keep popular support going. So he's going to have to balance all that. It is going to be a tough thing to do. But I do think the country is going to be unified and that there is a mandate of how do we address the pandemic first and foremost. And I think you're going to see, you know, funding and legislation for an economic stimulus. I think you are going to see a national plan to deal with COVID and it's going to be done. Um, so for example, if you want to walk into a federal building, it doesn't matter if it's in Chicago or New York or Oklahoma, you know, or Atlanta or Miami, you're going to be wearing a mask. You know, you're going to be wearing a mask when you do more things now than you did before, because that's how you beat the pandemic. So if Joe Biden can show successes, if he can show that he can reach across the aisle when needed, but still, you know, empowering the Democratic platform through executive action and most importantly, through legislation, he's going to be successful. We've seen Republican Lindsey Graham and others hold fast to the White House line that, you know, parts of the election were stolen and they're going to wait till the, the legal challenges. So already in at least in some Senate circles, it doesn't look like there is a willingness to say, kumbaya, let's all get together. Well, and look, I'm hopeful that is some of that is internal Republican politics, that Lindsey Graham has to, you know, keep his base of support, that he has to say those types of things, but that when Donald Trump is no longer in the White House and it's time to actually govern, that maybe some of that rhetoric from those Republicans who are saying things that, again, you know, have no basis in, in fact, that there has never been fraud shown, um, that they've tried and failed, and that when Donald Trump goes away, maybe some of this rhetoric will go away with him. Steve, there are two notable runoff, uh, Senate campaign runoffs coming up uh, in Georgia, you know, the big one, right, uh, where we're looking at uh, 
energizing both the Republican and Democratic base to get out and make sure that their side wins. These are very important because they would definitely tip the balance of power in the Senate, would they not? Possibly bring it over to Democratic control. No, exactly. Right now, the Senate is basically 48 Democrats, 50 Republicans. Uh, if these two seats went to the Democrats, it would be 50-50. And because uh, Senator Harris, or I should say Vice President-elect Harris would be vice president mm-hmm. then, she becomes the tiebreaker, and then it becomes Democratic. So this is a huge election because it will affect everything from how aggressive will will the Congress be on health care? How aggressive will the Congress be on tax cuts? How aggressive, or, or I should say tax hikes, how aggressive will the Congress be on addressing income inequality and climate change? So you've got a huge battle going on. And the question is, will the Republicans really come out in Georgia? Remember, they didn't get a majority in either of these two elections. Will mm. they really come out in Georgia to make sure that there is a check on the Democrats in the House, in the White House, or... Without Trump at the top of the ticket, will some of those Trump voters stay home and maybe the Democrats will win? So it'll be a in, it'll be the most intense runoff elections in maybe the history of the United States and certainly the most expensive. Well, and the fact that Georgia is, you know, swung so heavily Democratic in this election, again, a not confusing people, but definitely making a statement to people that the Democrats, at least in those key centers like Atlanta, Fulton County, Cobb County, those areas are, are very much a force to be reckoned with. Savannah, of course. Yeah, no, Georgia used to think of it as a red state. Now you have to think of it as a purple state. And, you know, it's very likely Joe Biden will have won Georgia when when all of the votes are counted there. And if he doesn't, he will have barely lost. And so it really is a, for all intents and purposes, a 50-50 state. And then the question becomes, who wins the ground game on these campaigns? Who gets their voters out? Who gets them out with the right messaging? Who gets them out by making the phone calls? And it's a lot harder when you can't go door to door um, like during a pandemic. But this is is a, a race that will really dictate how much that the Biden administration can do legislatively. It won't impact foreign policy. Joe Biden's multilateral foreign policy will not change regardless of who's in charge of the Senate. He is going to go back uh, to, to Paris. He's going to go back um, uh, to the WHO. But it will have a huge impact on the domestic agenda. This part of the world, Steve, Singapore specifically, what now that we've got a path forward with President uh, President Biden administration, what's it going to mean for Singapore? Well, you're going to see um, a much more focused multilateral strategy or multilateralism out of the Biden administration when it comes to foreign policy. And look, the Singapore government has been very clear. A small country like Singapore does much better in a multilateral framework than when it's, you know, every country against one another. So it's a going to strengthen multilateral multilateral fora, and that is of benefit to Singapore. You have not seen a, a an Asian trade policy from the Trump administration. They have a China trade policy, agree or disagree with it. At least they have a policy that they're executing on. They don't have an Asia trade policy. The Biden administration will have an integrated Asia policy. That is a benefit to Singapore as well. So there's a lot of upside for Singapore in terms of how the Biden administration will, will look to Asia. But of course, it will also look to see how the, if the Biden administration keeps that confrontational approach on China, where a lot of people think 
it needs to be kept, especially when it comes to their unfair trade practices. So so a lot is going to be happening in, in Singapore when it comes to foreign policy and, mm-hmm. and across all of Asia and the world, of course. The U.S. has not had an ambassador in residence in Singapore for four years now since uh, Trump took over, since Kirk Wagger left. Uh, we've had two successive very, very competent uh, uh, charge d'affaires, uh, Rafiq Mansour, of course, doing the job now, Stephanie Siptekrana before him. Would you expect that the ambassadorial posts, not only here, but many others around the world that are left empty, would be a priority for the Biden administration to get those positions filled? Well, I, I, look, I think it will, but I mean, the, the top priority is going to be the pandemic. And all of the attention for the administration is going to be focused on let's get the pandemic solved first. So I think that's going to be, you know, may slow things up uh, outside of the pandemic, other as it would normally do. The second issue is that Donald Trump has placed political uh, ambassadors in countries where they have never been before. It's it's been that Mm. type of of, of uh, you know, doing favors for people. I expect you will see more career ambassadors uh, in countries than you would under, uh, you will under a Biden administration than the Trump administration. Singapore has been a political ambassador for a couple of decades now. But look, Singapore and the relationship with the U.S. is so strong. The Singapore government is so good that when you have the types of career foreign service officers, as you've, as you've mentioned, you can still keep strong relationships. So it will be good to have a presidential appointed ambassador here, but I wouldn't put that on the top of the list of what the Biden administration needs to accomplish in, in yeah. Asia. Yeah. All right, Steve, thanks so much for your time and your input on this. Really appreciate it. Always great to hear from you, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. And remember, it's President-elect Biden, <laughs> Vice President-elect Harris. You said it here first. <laughs> Thanks, ben. Thanks, Steve. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.